0: We're back. I feel so good that we're back.
1: I know okay. it was, I missed you. It was really like I really enjoy like reporting and providing value to people, but like I just genuinely missed your presence and your energy. So I kind of like felt like I was going through withdrawals. I was like, fuck, I, me some, I <laughs> need me some grip. Well, bed. you're
0: like my friend. So yeah, no, it's like when you don't hang out with your homegirl for a minute and it's like, oh man, yeah. like, I really miss my home, my home girl. Um, yeah, I've been, y'all, we had this skip last week and it was my fault because I was just so swamped with work. Um, yeah. and I still am. Um, and yo, this double life thing is just not working. Like, You're like Hannah Montana. You have the best I feel like Hannah Montana. Like it's getting to the point where it's starting to bleed into like my full-time job. Yeah. Like yeah. one of my, one, like my director jokingly, was like um where can I get the good stuff like that really makes me uh make progress and I was like oh I got some in my drawer <laughs> and he started laughing and I'm sitting there like yeah I'm not playing <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> he starts laughing and I'm like okay like all right. Like if you want some, just let me know. <laughs> it's
1: but, I... cool.
0: but it's also cool because I get to kind of educate them. Um, and you know, when they make comments like that, I'm like, well, this is how things really work. And well, like like he will cut carbs and like d- like he won't eat a certain he eats like 20 carbs a day, he told me, which I don't think he eats 20 carbs a day. Nobody eats 20 carbs a day. Um, unless you're really just like not eating.
1: But I mean, you're like full blown keto at that point. I mean, full ass blown keto.
0: And uh, I was like, you know, you don't got to do all that, right? Like, (laughs) you know, you don't have to do that, you know? And he was like, well, I don't know any other way. And I was like, you can always hire me. And I'll show you like, (laughs) because because that is, I was like, that's not good. Like, I was like, how long has it been since you've like lost any more weight? Cause he's been like stalled, you know, mm. like for a long time. He's like, ah, oh, like since before my weddings, but in before his wedding was like in December. So it's like, you know, it's like before, like before his wedding, like he's yeah still not, he's not really seeing the progress he wants. And I was like, well, something has to change there, you know, but I'm not at the same time. Like you don't want to push yourself on people. Um, you just kind of, I always let people like come to me. Like I let them make their decisions for themselves. Um, but he, he just said, he's literally said, I don't know any other way. And I was like, it's interesting. I feel like that's how most people feel. They don't know any other way. Um, so a lot of like, it's a lot of educating around there. Like, there was another coworker of mine that asked me, he was eating a, a protein bar and he was like, I bet you eat a lot of these, huh, Brittany? And I go, actually, no, those no. are so shitty. Like, sometimes I'm mean about it. Sometimes I'm like, those are probably, that's actually one of the most unhealthy, like foods that you can eat. Like, oh, no. like if you go on like those stupid, like what are the top 10 unhealthiest foods online? You'll find protein bars on there. Yeah. They're like candy bars, like
1: with protein.
0: Yeah. yeah. With protein, like and so, and I was explaining and I was explaining why I would just rather eat a meal. Um, yeah. and he was like, ah, oh, but don't people use these as like meal replacements? And I go, yeah, but it's not a meal. Like that's, it yeah. doesn't have like the, the micros and what you need. And honestly, there, there are lots of fat and lots of carbs. Like sure. It's a meal, but it's a, it's not a meal that you want. Like Good
1: meal. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a lot of teachable moments with them. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good for you for being like a shining light. Yeah, I try, you know,
0: but anyway, um, happy to be back uh, today. We are going to be talking about blood glucose and insulin sensitivity, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a really like, you know, some everybody's talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it. Um, I remember when I got with Mark, uh, the first thing we started working on was blood glucose levels, um, because at the time, like I would not a lot of bodybuilders do it. It's nothing new. But I think now it's it's something that is new to and, and techie to people that are like lifestyle or maybe don't have like type two diabetes or anything like that. But they're just trying to see where their blood glucose sits and why. Um, and it's honestly a good marker for stress and where you're stressed to me, that's where I like to use it for my athletes. Um, obviously like, yeah, if their food is getting high, then we need to monitor it and, and all of those wonderful things, but it's also a great marker for stress. Um, if your blood glucose are like starkingly high, you're either stressed, you know, systemically, you know, in digestion or activity or, just simply lifestyle wise. Um, so it's a really good marker for that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of like misconceptions about like blood glucose and insulin. Cause people are like, Oh, insulin's bad. Insulin gives you diabetes. And it's like, no insulin is the treatment for diabetes. So how does insulin give you diabetes? Like there's a lot of just like, again, like misconceptions just about it. Like you know, for example, like eating a cupcake. Oh, that's going to give you diabetes. Eating fruit is bad. It's going to give you diabetes. Like carbs are bad. It's going to give you diabetes. Like they don't understand like kind of the pathophysiology of developing diabetes and namely insulin resistance and not understanding that like the cells are no longer absorbing or using insulin as they should. Right. Leading to these elevated glucose levels within the blood, just a bunch of glucose, just in the bloodstream. Because the cells are just kind of like desensitized because the insulin molecule, which helps the glucose get into the cell, whether it's a muscle cell or what have you, it's like, there's some type of like miscommunication there where the cells just are like apathetic almost to Mm -hmm. insulin. So therefore your blood glucose is high.
0: Right. So like, like Ashley saying, insulin is what helps. So it helps regulate blood sugar levels. So after you eat, um, carbs are broken down into glucose. I'm just putting this simply so the mm-hmm. listeners can understand it. After you eat, carbs are broken down into glucose and that's your body's primary source of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, when, then glucose enters the bloodstream and the pancreas responds by producing insulin, which allows your glucose to enter the body's cells and provide energy. Right. Um, after you eat, insulin levels are high and excess glucose is stored in the liver in the form of glycogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you'll see that glucose spike. And in between meals, insulin levels are low, or when you're fasted, insulin levels are low. Um, so the liver releases glycogen into the bloodstream in the form of glucose. Um, so basically, you know, y- you wanna you wanna be insulin sensitive, and you wanna have relatively like fasting, like low, well, you want to have low fasting glucose levels to make sure that your body is in this optimal state of just health and longevity and being able to partition nutrients. Like it's a good marker of seeing where you're, if you're good at, I guess, good at partitioning nutrients.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's that.
1: Yeah. I think it's also important to understand that like blood glucose levels also like, they're not going to be constant across the board, right? Like there will be fl- yeah. some fluctuation, but like really ideally for the physique or even just optimal health, like less than 90 is going to be ideal, but obviously greater than something like 50. Cause if you're like measuring 50, that's like hypoglycemia, which is not ideal, which obviously causes like you know, the opposite of what we want to like, there's extremes to it. So like really between, I would say like seventies to upwards of nineties, like usually like 75 is like kind of like a good spot anywhere in the eighties is pretty good, but you start creeping up into the nineties and then like low hundreds. Yep. Yeah. It's like, mm, something's got to change there, fam.
0: Definitely. I mean, like some people their their blood glucose just sits higher. Like, and that's okay. Like I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people where my blood glucose generally sits around like, like peak off season. It's like 95, 98. Um, and that's normal for me. Like even in prep, like, I think when I, when I start dieting, it slowly comes down. And as I continue to diet, it gets down into like, the eighties, seventies, eighties. And that's like, you know, I'm in a deficit and dying dieting. (laughs) So,
1: so um,
0: so that's what, that's what creates that for me. But the reason why is because I'm predisposed to type two diabetes and a lot of cardiovascular diseases from my family, from my family history. Um, So it makes sense that my blood glucose sits higher. Um, because of this genetic factor right for others like ashley's bg levels are pretty optimal from what i've seen um hers generally sit where do yours sit they're much lower than mine day to day
1: when i was like normal like normal is like mid 80s um granted now i'm starting to kind of like increase food slowly a little bit so we're kind of playing around with like when my carbs are higher on certain days and stuff like that but like obviously as carbs start to get a little higher sometimes i do get like low 90s but we're usually like mid eighties. It's kind of like, we're all set.
0: Yeah. But see, for me, like, it's not abnormal for me to see like one Oh five, like, you know, it's, it's not abnormal. It's, and it's something that has been there forever. It has not changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do everything like to try and get it down. And it's like, right. It, it, it just stays that way. And, and it is what it is. Sometimes people, That's, that's where they sit. And unless they're in a deficit or they're dieting, they don't see it coming down. So if you see that in your readings, um, as a bodybuilder in the off season, don't be alarmed. I mean, just do what you need to do to try and get it lower. And maybe your coach, if you have a coach will have a protocol that surround that is surrounding, like getting your BG levels lower. Yeah. So if you need to get your BG levels lower, some practices that you might want to consider doing are, you know, fast and walks in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, nutrient timing. So timing, most of your carbohydrates around your activity, which is fair, like, which is something bodybuilders have been doing. They've been doing this. Um, but I think people think it's a new thing and it's not new. This is something they've always done. Um, they have sometimes in the back in the day, they'd have their cheat meals after their big leg days. That's a form of, of, uh, nutrient timing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you can do that. You can also, uh, make sure your sleep is optimal. Uh, you can make sure that you are hydrated yep. and mm-hmm. some practices, like even before your testing. So like you might not have super high blood glucose levels. You might just be doing things before your readings that are creating higher readings, like rushing in the morning, like not being hydrated before you take your test. Uh, like not like I would even say maybe test twice and take the lower of the readings. Yeah, um, uh, not doing any activity. Like I've heard of people that will do uh, walks or activity before they take their BG and it's like, that's not helping you. They think it helps them because they're, they think they're depleting more glycogen and that's not helping you. It's putting you in more of a stress state. Um, so don't do that. Like just wake up, get hydrated, 24, 32 ounces of water, uh, wait 30 minutes, take your BG, make sure your hands are clean, things like that. So sometimes just practices, uh, when people are taking will help their, their levels. So exactly, exactly.
1: And I think a lot of people also fail to realize like what leads to this insulin resistant state and like, number one thing is just going to be stress. And the stress includes so many things from maybe poor sleep, like Britt said, eating the wrong type of carbs. Like I know people are like, Oh, well, these are good carbs and bad carbs. And it's like, food doesn't have a moral compass, but like there are still better options to choose when it comes to the foods that you're nourishing your body with. So obviously like a donut is not inherently bad, but it definitely is going to be a poor choice. If you're you know, noticing that your vasted blood glucose is not in a good spot compared to something like that's going to be more of a complex type of nutrition or like a piece of fruit or something like that. But, you know, stress could be anything from just chronic inflammation, you know, the wrong types of carbs, maybe just overall too many carbs and too often. Um, especially if like you're in your off season and like blood glucose is getting really up there and you still fucking push food. Like that's not muscle that, you know, yeah. is causing the scale to go up. Like, <laughs> sorry, like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so like,
0: you know how I was, I talked, I think in previous podcasts about how my food, it gets high, but it's not like crazy. It doesn't ever get crazy high anymore. And I think that's because me and Mark learned that because my, my BG does not, it's not low. Like it, it sits pretty high. I can't go much higher in food than what I am doing. Um, if I were to go any higher, I just start putting on body fat. Um, and that's not what you want. So like, that's another, you know, that's another, thing of like more is not always better because you have to look at your data before you give yourself more. If you see that you have high BG levels, okay, like the, you need to start circumventing somehow. Um, You need to start looking at that. And that needs to be the focus. The focus is no longer like we need to put in more food so you can grow. The focus is we need to get your BG levels down so you can grow.
1: So Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people, I don't think realize how dangerous insulin resistance is. They're just thinking like, Oh, diabetes. And that's really the only thing. Well, yes, diabetes, but also like the fact that like, you're going to be increasing your visceral fat as well, which is the fat around your organs, which is increases your risk of like all the comorbidities associated with cardiovascular disease. So you're going to see things like you know elevated triglycerides when you get your routine lab work done you're going to see things like decreased hdl which is that like good cholesterol that does help lower like your overall like poor cholesterol um something that you won't see on blood work but that's very very socially, aclo- um closely associated good lord
0: yeah, um you're
1: having issues today there we go i know we're having having a maccheroni rue with our words and our fucking mics today but also, something that you're not going to see on blood work that you won't know unless you test routinely at home, or maybe you go to like a pharmacy or something, is like it can also increase your risk of hypertension too, like having high blood pressure. So, like mm-hmm. these are some things that like you have to realize that like insulin resistance can contribute to all these other things, not just diabetes, like poor circulation. Like it's very common for like someone who, are, who already has diabetes to have nerve damage or poor circulation and they have to get like limbs amputated and stuff like that. Like people just don't realize how bad diabetes can get they just are. they see that one guy on the commercial that like talks about diabetes and i think it's funny and it's (laughs) not funny like it can cause some serious fucking shit and kill you Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and also remember like high circulating insulin and glucose levels allow for massive cellular like I, I call it destruction, like an yeah. inflammation. So we're not trying to scare you, but you don't want to be inflamed. Like you don't, inflammation causes a lot of issues in bodybuilders. Chronic, chronic, Chr- inflammation. chronic inflammation. The
1: training is cute, and you do want that cute, but chronic is like the bad news bears.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and you can, fi- you can kind of see where that's happening. Um If you, sometimes if you look at BG levels and overall health, Um, and also obviously blood work, um, but you know, you, you want to do what you can to lower inflammation and increase cardiovascular health. So, you know, one of the, like a supplement that we, that we take, uh, with morphogen is morphomega. So, um, that usually helps with a lot of like cardiovascular support and anti-inflammatory. I'm not saying it helps with, uh, BG levels and insulin resistance, but it certainly helps with cardiovascular health. Um, and so it, you know, what we're basically talking about, it's kind of, it's now that I'm, now that we're kind of talking about it, it's a little difficult to, to not go in other areas to talk about after insulin resistance and BG levels. It's easy to just get, start getting into cardiovascular disease because nothing works in isolation, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but anyway, that's just my little like rant, um, data that can easily be skewed. So like I want to talk about um what can skew your data? Um and one obviously is perceived stress. So perceived stress is going to be huge. Um toxins. So toxins in the body uh can skew your data. So if you are an avid drinker and you find that you have hormonal issues and high BG levels, that needs to stop. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know any other way to say that. Um, even caffeine, so like caffeine, having too high of caffeine can skew your levels as well. So that might be something you want to look at if your levels are really high. Um, and also like for the, for women, right? Like we have a menstrual cycle as well. So that's why it's, it's important to look at the trends in data for your, for your BG levels, um, because you might find that they're higher at certain times of your menstrual cycle or your menstrual phases, um, and so take that into consideration too. Like your body's in a stress state during this time, um, and it might be a little bit higher. So don't freak out if it is. It is what it is. Um, it temper the menstrual cycles can temporarily. Uh, cause insulin resistance, just temporarily, um, because of the stress that's happening in the body at the time, and then also some something that people don't think about um, are like CNS fatigue, um, just fatigue in general, and being overtrained can cause high blood glucose levels. Um, I know it's it's easy to be like, I need to push harder, I need to go harder in the gym, I need to do more, um, but sometimes it's you just needing to pull back, um, and that's what's skewing your data. Um, and do you have any that you can think of
1: Ashley? Um, honestly, what we learned, well, um, not really what we learned as in the audience, but like something I took, a Austin Stouts adrenal health class on Friday. And so obviously like your adrenal dysfunction can also skew the data as well. So like, again, it just, it still boils down to stress and inflammation. And it's just not like one thing it's, it could be all of it, whether that's, you know, from training, from injury, um, from poor sleep, from overall perceived stress, you know, medications, infections, like like Britt said, like overall, like central nervous system fatigue or too much sympathetic stimulation, like all of like, essentially we're kind of repeating ourselves, but we're we're saying different like items essentially, because we were trying to bring awareness to the fact that like something like too much caffeine, you might not think about as a stress, but it is. But it right. still boils down to stress and inflammation. Um, also something that a lot of people might not um, think about is something like PCOS.
0: So uh, like there, the ladies, good
1: one. PCOS, um, yeah. they're, but again, it's categorized by inflammation, insulin resistance. So again, it's kind of like the same, the same ideas that we keep talking about. Yeah. That's why it's hard to talk about one thing and not go to another. Mm. Cause
0: it's like, it's, it's, it's the, the, you, you know, <clears throat> it's that healthy practices are going to help. Um, and so, yeah. So it's, I, I know that there are some times where uh, even myself, you might find that you have like higher readings in the morning, even when you are fasted. Um, and if you do like, we call this the dawn phenomenon, it's called the dawn phenomenon, correct? I believe it's called the dawn phenomenon. Yeah. Um, And if you do something that I implement with, with my athletes is I'll have them take, or like, let's say you wake up really early. Like, let's say you wake up at like me, I wake up at like five right now because of work. So it's, it'll be if I were taking my BG levels every single day, which I'll, I'll try to take them on days that I wake up a little bit later um, I find that my readings are higher, like just because I'm like popping up and I have to get ready for work, yeah. and so that skews my data. Um, so if you don't have the time, like to to wake up and take your BG levels and feel like they're actually accurate, what you can try to do is do postprandial blood glucose readings. Yeah. And th- there's more there's more benefits to to postprandial than just like trying to get an accurate reading. But um, a reading of blood glucose two to three hours after a meal is what postprandial is. And it gener- it'll, it'll tell you where your body generally sits in your, in a, in a, generally like day to day, not necessarily in a fasted state, but where it would just sit normally if you were just chilling. Um, and so that can be a good marker of how you're partitioning nutrients and then also stress, systemic stress, um, in case you can't, if you, in case you find that you can't do that in the in the morning, or your morning levels are just like starkingly high for no reason, because that happens to some people as well, and it really stresses them out. Um, but there are other ways to try and look at it as well, or try to find a a more accurate reading.
1: Exactly, exactly like that. Um, also, some things that you know we want to think about is when we keep talking about insulin resistance, we are mainly talking about the diabetes related to type two diabetes um there's obviously different types there used to be called um what was it childhood of diabetes like child onset diabetes that's yeah that's what yeah. I thought so, it used to be called
0: yeah type one used to be child onset I believe
1: or like juvenile is that something right I think it's like juvenile diabetes I think that's what I learned in school was they would they called it juvenile diabetes yeah. they had to stop calling it that because children were developing type two by diabetes due to like you know, being like overweight and unhealthy and stuff like that. But type one diabetes is, um, obviously going to be a lot less common than type two. So like usually five to 10% of the population will kind of like experience type one diabetes. Um, but essentially they're going to be dependent upon insulin because it's, they just, their body just is unable to produce what needs to be done versus type two is usually brought about by poor lifestyle habits. Um, unfortunately,
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so for testing, so how can you test for your BG levels? Um so you can use a glucotomer. Gluco glucometer? Is it glucometer or is it glucometer? I I call it I say glucometer. Okay, I say glucometer as well, (laughs) but it's spelled like glucometer.
1: Oh, I know,
0: I know. Yeah, so you can order one on Amazon. You can also find that. Just be careful with your brands. Um, so I forgot. I think I use Contour next one um, because sometimes you'll find issues with the ones that are a little bit cheaper, um, and you find. I find that I have to replace them more often. Um, like Care Touch is good, was good, and then like it broke. Like after like a month of using it, like so. Just try to find what. Just try to find a glucometer that is not super cheap because you have to understand, like, you're going to get what you pay for yeah. and you want to, you want to invest in one that's going to work for you. Um, make sure you get a Lansing device, um, and test strips that are the same brand as the, as the glucotometer glucometer yeah. fuck. Cool.
1: <laughs> like- yeah. I actually use CVS brand because if you have an HSA, like uh, you can use your HSA to Mm -hmm. pay for it. So I use my HSA to pay for my glucometer, my test strips, Lansing devices, alcohol pads, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that for just practicing good hygiene.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I want to, I wonder if
1: I can do that too. Probably. Yeah. I mean, the diabetic care, like obviously like you might, you don't have diabetes, but you can still use that like HSA to pay for that shit. That's what I do. (laughs)
0: that's That's good for the listeners to know.
1: Like, because I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, save that money. Come on, it's like it's all pretext now. Come on. <laughs> save that moolah. Yeah. I
0: like definitely need that right now because there's a lot going on in my life. <laughs> 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 Financial
1: wise. <laughs> no, I, I feel that. Oh my goodness gracious. But no, I mean, like a lot of the things that we're talking about, like are very practical, but I want to also caution the listeners and to understand that like Testing every day could maybe cause a little bit of excess stress too. And especially if you're stressing about testing, then like you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. It's like you're trying to get an accurate reading, but you're also stressed that like, oh, maybe one day you didn't sleep well. And it was like triple digits. And then now you're like kind of setting yourself up to, well, what if it's triple digits tomorrow? And what if it's triple digits the next day? Do I have diabetes? Or you could just be stressing yourself out to a high (laughs) high blood glucose state. So like, I really wouldn't be testing your blood glucose really without the direction of a coach, unless you are someone that can kind of take the data and not be emotional about it, which is very rare. Um, you you just might be stressing yourself out taking it and just, you know, like I said, like doing all the things that, um, we talked about causing high blood glucose and they just like making your life more miserable.
0: Yeah, I, am. I actually don't take my, my blood glucose levels every day because of that. Um, But my coach doesn't need them. Um, We know like it, we know they generally sit high. So for me to see it all the time really is just like, ugh, you know, (laughs) it's like every time I get a reading, it's like above 90, high nineties, one Oh fives, like, um, and so at this point it's just better for my mental health to not look at it. Now I know it's probably a thing where it's like, well, why wouldn't you just try to get it lower? But when I say like that, people just sometimes sit like a little bit higher, that's what it is. But it it's, it's not without stress on my end. It's not without like me looking at that every single time. And I'm like, oh man, I wish this were like an 80 or like,
1: yeah. <laughs> and
0: so it's sometimes better for your mental health to take a step back. If, if it's something that is stressing you out. if it's not, then and like you're unemotional about it, then fine. I'm emotional about it. I'm emotional about everything. Um, I'm emotional about like, I had a check-in with Mark and I was mad because I didn't, uh, I didn't reach the goal that I thought I could. And he was like, you checked off all the boxes this week. Like you killed it this week. There's no reason for you to be upset. You know, like, so for me, like it's not a good idea for me to see numbers all the time. And you might find that with yourself or with other athletes. Um, And so it's maybe a good idea to only do it like three times a week instead of every single day, at least you get some sort of data. Um, Or like even with weight, I see that with weight, with, with uh, athletes as well, which is a big one seeing their, mm-hmm. the scale all the time is hard. Like, so you might want to have a coach that does, that allows you to maybe pull back on it a little bit when you feel that. But then when you feel better, like when I start dieting, right, like I'll feel fine to be able to take my BG levels every day, because I know I'm going to get a reading of like 80, 90, and it's going to be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm good. But in the off season, it's really difficult for me. So <laughs>
1: I could not feel you more, dear. Yeah. yeah. So, I know Britt so. kind of touched on briefly um, earlier about fixing insulin resistance, but I think it's good to also give some practical advice when it comes to trying to fix insulin resistance or at least maybe make yourselves a bit more responsive. And we can go into um, carb timing. And so, meal timing, nutrient timing placing your carbs around your peri-workout window. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy, especially if you're new to this, you could start off about 50% of your carbs, um, your total carbs for the day around your peri-workout. And then obviously titrate up as needed. Um, I personally use, I would say 85% to 90% of my total carbs for the day around training, just because like, it's what I prefer. Like, I just don't want to eat a bunch of carbs. Like outside my training, not that it's necessarily bad. It's not like I'm struggling with insulin resistance. It's just more of a personal preference. Like I'd rather just eat protein and fat kind of the rest of the day. Um, and I
0: I was going to say, you know, it also depends on where you're at, like off season wise too. Cause like sometimes when I, when my food gets higher, like, and I find with other athletes as well, when their food gets higher, it's hard for them to keep it at like that 85, 90, because their digestion around their workouts is shunted with a lot of, yeah. of stuff. Right. And so, especially smaller women like myself, like I was, when I first started this, like able to do 90%. Now yeah. I can no longer, like I can, I have been in, I've been eating for so long like for so consistently for so long that I can't have like 90% anymore, at least at the macros that I currently have. Yeah. Um, but when my, when my food gets lower, right. Like then I can start doing like 90%. And I would say like nutrient and carb timing is crucial. Like it's already, cru- it's already crucial, but like, it's crucial when your macros get really low. Like you need, you need, and that's just, that's not really for insulin resistance is more to drive performance, but that's still something to consider. Like get you start getting used to it in the off season. So that by the time you start dieting, when you start pulling your food, you can pull from the outside meals first, and then you can start pulling from around your training. Um, so just to be practical. And so you're used to it. Yeah. so that you're not caught off guard that like you know you have two meals that are trace carbs as that's hard for some people mentally that's hard for some people to do
1: um yeah no 100% i just get so fucking sick and tired of eating that i'm like if i don't have to eat carbs outside my training i can drink my carbs i'm like fuck yeah let's go
0: <laughs> so yeah i would say um especially in the off season like managing blood glucose and uh your your training it's going to be important to do like most of your carbs around your training and and be you know moving (laughs) throughout the day like i think off season is 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 a time to grow but it's also a time to be healthy so um don't just like sit on your ass like when you have you know your big meals like that go get a walk or um make sure you're training around it because that's that's going to help you and it will help your body composition too like exactly. when I started nutrient timing, um, my weights like stayed the same, but I looked completely different, like a weekend. Like oh, if yeah, I, I want to even, I want to show those pictures. I think that Mark actually posted them like a long time ago. And, um, you could just see, like, I was much fuller and I actually, like, I went from having like no abs to like ab lines, like, and it just, it helped so much. And it was mostly because it drove performance but it also like helped yeah. with my, uh, my BG levels and, and things like that. So it'll Absolutely. definitely help you.
1: Absolutely. I do want to go into a little bit of supplementation, but I like that we've touched on more practical advice first, because I feel like every time something like fucks up, someone's like, what's the supplement I can take? Is mm-hmm. it like, just, they just want the quick fix. And it's like, supplementation is meant to supplement the diet, not really fix. <laughs> i no, so, like, there's other things that you need to do like reducing systemic inflammation um and reducing like your overall toxin and shit like that that you need to do first or maybe it's even like fixing like a gut health issue or something like that cuz obviously if you have a gut health issue that's going to really fuck up your um detox pathway but supplements can help and so L carnitine are... sorry oh no dude fucking... <laughs> okay so first off injectable L carnitine let's injectable let's, let's injectable intramuscular <laughs> Because we're not about to be injecting our veins. Please don't do that. Please don't even inject into your muscle unless you have a coach to help you. Um, but injectable L carnitine is great. It is a great, great, great fucking supplement. But probably not a lot of our people are gonna be like heading over to shop MedBed and getting syringes and needles. So the <laughs> things that you can use that are oral are something like a GDA. So using a good GDA like um, Morpho Drive code mile strength, code Brit with two T's at checkout. Great. Great. Um, fucking GDA. Um, I know revive has a GDA. Um, I know Mark also said matador project 80 was, is a good GDA. I've used Project yeah. Matador before. Um, but those are great to use around your big carb meals, whether it's training or even on like rest days, if you like group your carbs, you be- right here. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I know,
0: I know. I'm so on it. It's like right here in my face. (laughs) No, yeah, no. uh, GdAs are awesome, Um, and morphogens is obviously the best um, because we're biased and we're gonna say it's the best. Um, But basically, what they do is they increase insulin sensitivity. Uh, They they help with uptake and um, carb depletion. Depletion. LOL. uh, Deposition. Um, and a lot, you'll hear a lot of people say that GDA's
1: like push Don't, the carbs, into the muscle. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people but like uh, of GDAs and it's like, yeah, like they, they get it's either you're in the camp of GDAs or you're an anti-GDA and like, honestly, you want to get a good one, but like, they're not going to like, like use them. Like they will help. They do help. Um, and yeah. also a product more for prime is really good too, but that's not a GDA. Yeah. It's not a GDA.
0: Morpho Prime is really important, especially for people that are enhanced, um, Mm -hmm. just for that, just for that support, organ support. Um, so if you, if you want more info on those supplements, it's they're on morphogen nutrition, but I use both of those products. Um, and I will, they're one, they're both two, these two are a couple of like my mandatories that I'm like, even though Morpho Drive for me right now is optional, I still take it. Uh, because I I just find that the benefits just help me, especially with some, as someone who is like their, their levels generally sit high, right? Like, of course, like we, I need to do the practical things, which I do, but these things just sort of help and assist me in continuing to progress. Um, So I'll do the extra, I'll go the extra mile for it. Um, And Morpho Prime is, I love Morpho Prime. I might like it, I might like it more than Morpho Drive, actually.
1: I like them both, because, like, Morpho Drive is kind of, like, more that instantaneous, like, in the moment, whereas, like, because uh, Morpho Prime has berberine in it, it's going to help to also increase <laughs> uptake as well, but also, again, we have extra organ protection, so right. it, it's good, it's good, but we both, like, pooped our pants over L-carnitine. So I want to talk about L-carnitine
0: because it
1: is a really, <laughs> a really fucking cool supplement. But again, again, I cannot stress home. I cannot drive home and stress the point enough about it being injectable. Like there's lots of orals and liposomals and shit like that. But like the most bioavailable is going to be intramuscular administration. So if you're not comfortable with that, I would save your pennies and not buy oral. I just, that's just personal personal bias there but
0: also I want to I want to say something so just because something's injectable doesn't mean it's terrible for you like and it doesn't mean that it's a drug either um so people inject like b vitamins you know and they they have to because they're deficient so and if you if you put it that way and and understand that like injectables are not always gear like to the to the point that you think um I think you'll if you are uncomfortable with it you might start to kind of let your guard down a little bit because at first I was like I remember Mark asked me to start taking out carnitine and I thought it was going to be oral and he was like no it's injectable and I was like at the time natural and I'm like is that gear like, you know, just because it, just because it's injectable, you know, like just because it's injectable, I'm like, uh, dude, like yeah. I'm not ready for that. Like, and, um, and so just, I, I want to say that just because it, you'll understand, you'll find the benefits of like things like L-carnitine and be open-minded to them. If you understand that, like not everything injectable is going to be like something super advanced or, or risky or anything like that. L-carnitine to me is just L-carnitine. It's like it's just like creatine, but it's not creatine. Like I'm not trying to compare them, but like <clears throat> you know how no but you know how people think creatine is a is a drug? Like they think like yeah. oh my god you're taking creatine, you must like no like same thing with L-carnitine for me. It's like oh that's nice. But anyway, everyone has everyone has different comfort levels but just because something is injectable does not make it a drug Agreed. Um,
1: Agreed. i just want to yeah, say because I mean, there's like injectable glutathione too yeah because like, we thought NAC was going to be like super banned and so everyone was like where can i get injectable glutathione <laughs> Oh my God. Everyone was scrambling. (laughs) Everyone. I still have like 12 bottles of knack up in my cupboard. Like I bought like 20 fucking bottles of knack thinking that I would never be able to get it again. So it's fine. We cool. (laughs) We stop. Now
0: you just have all (laughs) this (laughs) knack.
1: Also, another reason why you should buy Warfo Prime because it has NAC in it. Mm. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been on the podcast. I feel like all we do is talk about his products. We need, ooh, we should get back on the podcast. Ooh,
0: oh, I would love to have him on, but he's been on other people's stuff lately. I know he's been on like spadas and anyway, L-carnitine. Sorry.
1: We're getting so hype over here. We have missed each other. <laughs>
0: yeah, we have. Okay. So in insulin sensitivity and L-carnitine benefits. Um, prevents an increase in buildup of fatty acids and stimulates glucose uptake. Um, so this would prevent insulin resistance theoretically. Um, and then also, um, what was I thinking of? Oh, mitochondrial mm-hmm. activity. Okay. Oh, wow. um, increases like the size and density and the count of micro mitochondria to help you build muscle faster. Um And then obviously like beta oxidation, like I would say lightly, um, but most, mostly to me, like L-carnitine has the benefits of helping insulin sensitivity.
1: Right. Right. And there are other things obviously like talking about like anabolics and androgen effectiveness, but I think that's kind of like beyond the scope of this podcast, but it is a really a really cool, um, supplement and definitely on the scope for now, for now, for now, now, like done, 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 but, um,
0: yeah. So L-carnitine is great. Um, that's the point of all this, but if you, mm-hmm. if you want to, if, if you want to, where can, where can we plug people to get L-carnitine?
1: Amino Asylum. Yeah, I use Amino Asylums. Um, I do have a discount code, I'm pretty sure. I think it's MyoStrength20.
0: Yeah, so if you want to, I don't have a discount code with them, um, but if you need that Elkarn, go ahead and
1: do it. MyoStrength20, yeah, save you. discount. I don't get kickback for that either. At least I don't think I do. Because I know people use my code, but I don't get any kickback for it. So, like, it's just a code that, like, my followers and my clients can use. So, just full transparency there.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Now I know that it doesn't help you. So, I'll just uh, use someone. else. I don't think it does. It has to. It has to. Why else will they give you a code?
1: I mean... I have no idea. I'm, like I said, like, I know people use my code, but I haven't got an email being like, hey, here's some money. So like, <laughs> I don't maybe fucking know. Maybe, maybe no. I should follow up on that. <laughs> I'm like missing over here. <laughs> um, okay. Jesus let's quickly talk about, um, very, very quickly talk about metformin and then we'll let the people go because I think we're just going, we're going crazy today. We're like so hyped to see each other. we feel like we're like little bunny rabbits, but anyway, metformin, in, metformin is a prescription drug. I know there's kind of like a lot of, um, hype around metformin and telmisartan and stuff like that. And, but metformin is a prescription drug. It's going to be mostly used in patients with like type two diabetes, maybe even, um, women that have PCOS, um, possible like obesity cases, gestational diabetes, stuff like that. But essentially what metformin does is it's going to reduce, um, liver dumping of glucose. It's going to essentially, um, hinder the creation of new fat cells. And also it's going to stop gluconeogenesis as well. So it's a really cool, drug again, prescription drug um, that's going to help to increase, um, liver and intestinal insulin sensitivity. It's going to, uh, essentially also alter the gut microbiome. Um, usually in a favorable way. Um, usually when you hear altering gut microbiome, you think of things like SIBO, but metformin is not like, does not cause SIBO. Like it just does alter the gut microbiome. But again, that's not always necessarily a negative thing. Um, so just some tidbits there so don't be always afraid of prescription drugs. I think sometimes, you know, people get on prescription drugs and there's a push that, Oh, prescription drugs are bad. And it's like, not necessarily like context, context,
0: context.
1: Mm.
0: Well, all right. Well, that was great. I hope you all learned some, some practical and then some other applications for, uh, insulin resistance and blood glucose levels and things like that. So if you are taking that or, if you're taking your levels and you don't know why, um, or maybe your your coach hasn't fully explained why, because maybe you haven't asked, this is probably why. Um, and uh it's definitely beneficial for everyone to do. I mean, like n- athletes aside, being in, it's it's beneficial for everyone, I think. Um, and I do think that it should be not just in the general population, something that people with diabetes look at, but just people in general look at all the time, um, to, especially as a preventative thing, like as a being able to see where you're at. So you can implement practices that are preventative for type two diabetes, um, and cardiovascular diseases and events, um, or negative ones rather. Um, so yeah, uh, if you aren't taking your BG levels, start taking them. And, um, if you don't know why, then just rewind and listen to the rest of this podcast. So
1: exactly, exactly. And at the end of the day, stress less. Stress is what's causing. Yes, (laughs) stress
0: (laughs) is the main driver. Like no stress. Having a hard time today with my cough. Um, Yeah, stress less. And you will see benefits in your
1: life and your blood glucose levels. The more you know, but guys, thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.